Okay, good morning. Shavuot Tov, Yom Yerushalayim Sameach. Today's daf is daf Pei Gimel. Today's shiz le'ilu nishma Yitzhak ben Yechezkel, Rus bas Yekutiel HaKohen, Shulamit ben Benzir Morachai. May they have a, may their memories have an aliyah, may they, may they, the Shomas have an aliyah, may their memories be a blessing. Um, also for a full shame of Chai Chai Kabas Bob Michle and Yitzhaki with Miriam, may they have a complete and speedy recovery. Okay, I think let's go from um, the right, right at the end of Pei Beis, and Beis 82b, and we'll try to finish the parish today. So the Gomo says, Oma Rav, Rav says. Now just before we go into what Rav says, um, it was based on yesterday's daf. It was a discussion where the Truma Bisman Hazer is Doraisa Omidra Bonan. And Rabbi Yochanan held that Truma nowadays was only Midrabbonon. Sorry, sorry, that tru- Rabbi Yossi holds that Truma nowadays is the Orisa. And we go to, and Rav actually holds the same thing. Therefore, in the Mishnah, and I'll go back to the Mishnah, where, um, where Rabbi Yossi said that Androgonos, it was Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon, but where Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon said that an Androgonos Kohen can enable his wife to eat Truma, it means it's because he holds an Androgonos is viewed as a male, 100%. Or, a, I don't know, 100% male, viewed as a male, not as a sophic. It's actually very, if you try to look into the halacha um, and the different poskim and the different uh, opinions of what an andro- how to view an Androgonos is very, very confusing. Um, there are those opinions who hold that it's a sophic. There's the opinions like Rabbi Yossi who holds he's a male. There are those who hold, not only, we don't call it, it's not a doubt, it's a its own uh, its own gender, so there's almost there's a third gender and androgynous, um, and then even in the poskim they range in the various different opinions of how to treat uh, androgynous la'alocha. Okay, so sorry, so just back to where we were. Um, again, remember, a kohen who marries someone can enable his wife to eat truma. If we're saying that an androgynous who marries a woman can enable her to eat truma, we're saying that he's a male. And he can enable his wife to eat truma. And that's what Rabbi Yossi held. Um, yeah, so Omar Rav, Rav says, You can't hold for this Mishnah. This Mishnah can't stand up in front of the Brisa. I is going to bring a Brisa which he says is more authoritative than what you should follow. The Mishnah is incorrect. Why? The Tanya, as we learned in a Brisa, Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Androgonos beria atzmohu. And Androgonos is its own gender. The Chachomim weren't able to determine whether it's a male or a female. I think that's two different opinions. That Rabbi Yossi says it's its own gender, and the Chachomim says it's a sophic. There would be, there, there are multiple nafkaminas, whether you say it's a doubt, is it a male or is it a female, we're not sure, or if you say it's its own gender. We'll touch on some of them uh, towards the end of the parak. But just for example, if there's something that's specific to, if, let's say marriage. So let's say an androgynous does kiddushin to a woman. If you hold it's its own gender, well, you can say we only find that a male can for, perform kiddushin. We don't find that female or this other gender, androgynous, can perform kiddushin. But if you hold it's a sophic, you're not sure whether it's a male or a female, well, then the kiddushin, misophic, would take effect. 
So too with Yibum Chalitza. There are many, many ramifications, but that would just be one of them. Now, what the Gemara is quite surprised about is what his Rav says. Okay, so I know Rabbi Yossi in the Mishnah says you treat it as a male, but here Rabbi Yossi in the Brisa says you treat it as its own barrier, and you must disregard the Mishnah for the Brisa. You should ignore the Brisa in light of the Mishnah. Mishnahs are the most authoritative Tanaic source. They're edited, they're verified, they're compiled by Rebbe Yehuda Hanasi. They're extremely authoritative, accurate, and precise. So why would Rav say, no, 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 ignore the Mishnah, follow the Brisa? Brises in general are not viewed as, I mean, some we often outright dismiss as a mistake, or the person who recorded made a mistake, but they are authoritative collections, but never as authoritative as the Mishnah. So the Gemara from the fact that Rabbi Yossi dismissed his partner, we can see that he retracted his opinion. What does that mean? So firstly, in the Mishnah, when it teaches Rabbi Yossi, it's Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon hold that. I, Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon hold that. And now in the Brisa, it comes along and it says it's just Rabbi Shimon. Now the Brisa was compiled, the Rosh says that the Brisa was compiled after the Mishnah, which means the Brisa knew what the Mishnah held. So either the Brisa should have said Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon and given a different version, and then we have the Brisa and the Mishnah in conflict. Or it should have said, Rabbi Yossi holds his Aberia Bifnei Atzmo, and the Mishnah hold, and in the Mishnah Rabbi, and, sorry, sorry. So it either should have said Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon in the Mishnah hold X, and Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon in the Brisa hold Y. But it doesn't. It says just Rabbi Yossi. And it doesn't say that Rabbi Yossi holds its Aberia, and Rabbi Shimon holds its a, um, He's a male. He's, that's Androgonos who's viewed as a male. So we see that the Bryce is not trying to go against the Mishnah because it's, it's not phrased in any way that would be um, reported as in conflict with the Mishnah. So it must be because the Bryce is aware that Rabbi Yossi changed. And that's why Rav changes his opinion. Um, and that's uh, so, so, yeah, so that's uh, so that's Rav's opinion. Of, in this case, again, the Bryce is not arguing with the Mishnah; it's an update to the Mishnah. Okay, then Shmuel Amar Shmuel says, "No, lace the Bryce and make me my nisin. We ignore the Bryce in light of the Mishnah." Again, Shmuel takes it at face value. There's two different records of what Rabbi Yossi held. Well, obviously, you take the one recorded, the one in the Mishnah, as more authoritative. But Bugara just asked, says, but wait, according, Shmuel should actually be the one who dismisses the Mishnah in light of the Brisa, because we know Rabbi um, Shmuel follows this, an individual. Uh, we, we do generally have an opinion, an, opinion uh, an approach that you follow the majority opinion, uh, but then why does Shmuel say, um, but Shmuel when there's reason to go strict, like when the individual's strict, we see elsewhere, it was actually early on in this Masechta, um, that Shmuel says you follow the strict opinion. So here, Shmuel should have left the lenient opinion of the Mishnah and followed the strict individual opinion of the Brisa. So Gemara says, says, no, that's where following this other opinion wouldn't be saying the Mishnah is wrong, uprooting the Mishnah. But here you have to uproot the Mishnah, and therefore he doesn't take this opinion into account. Let's say it was a machlokas in the Mishnah, and there he comes along and he says, follow the strict opinion. That would be fine. That would be fine. Or he says, follow the Brisa 
in light of the Mishnah. But here, if you follow the Brisa, that's saying that Rabbi Yossi, there's two. Remember, the Brisa says what Rabbi Yossi holds, and the Mishnah holds what Rabbi Yossi holds. So if we're going to follow the Brisa, we're saying the Mishnah's um, version of what Rabbi Yossi holds is wrong. So we're not going to follow the Brisa to say that the Mishnah is wrong. That is Shmuel's approach. Okay, Omri Bay Rav. Bay Rav said, now this is going to become relevant later on, so I'm just going to explain who Bay Rav is. I'm sure you've noticed throughout the throughout Chas, we have different uh, hints at what the different opinions, um, d- different names. You have like Nahardai says, here we have Bay Rav says, sometimes we have Yesh uh, Oimrim, Achairim, all these different names allude to a specific to specific people. So Bay Rav always refers to Rav Huna. This will become relevant later. But Omri Bay Rav Mishmaid Rav, they said in the Yeshiva of Rav, that's literally Bay Rav would be the Yeshiva of Rav, was recorded saying in the name of Rav, Halacha Karebi Yosi Bandrogonos. The Halacha is like Rebi Yosi in regards to the Androgonos. Now here's where, you know, Androgonos, Uva Harvacha. Harkova, and with grafting. We'll discuss, we got each of these, oh, Shmuel, Amar Shmuel says, Bekoshi over Kiddush. And the halach is also like Rabbi Yossi in regards to Koshi and Kiddush. Okay, we'll explain what each of these terms are in the Gemara. But just very interestingly, um, so what's the halach with Androgonos? Halach is like Rav. What is, um, um, sorry, the halach, he said in the name of Rav that the halach is like Rabbi Yossi. For what does Rabbi Yossi hold? So Rashi says, Rashi proves, because we just saw that Rav says, follow the price of what Rabbi Yossi holds, but Rashi proves that all the opinions that we quote now in the name that Dalach is like Rabbi Yossi, are where it's Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Shimon together. So he wants to say that the, when we say the Halach is like Rabbi Yossi, it's Rabbi Yossi in the Mishnah, and an Androgonos is viewed as a male regards, in regards to marriage. So that would be how Rashi tells us. The Rambam and the Rif, amongst others, all learn differently. But we'll just, um, but that's, it. as I said, it's very confusing how to determine, according to the halacha, what's an androgynous. Um, of our, but halacha is like Rabbi Yossi, but androgynous. So now it says androgynous, hot androgynous, as we just said again, that he's viewed as a male regarding marriage. Uvaharkova, what's grafting? The Tznan, as we learned in the Mishnah, you're not allowed to plant a tree, layer a vine, or graft a tree or vine just before the Shemitah year, within 30 days before Rosh Hashanah. I just layering. What they would do is you take the vine and you put some of it under the ground and it starts growing shoots from where it's put under the ground and then you can cut it off there and you have a new vine shoot um, as opposed to just a separate branch. So that's layering. Grafting is again when you put one branch into an old tree. Um, but those, you have to do it. For im not, what happens if you did plant it within 30 days of the Shemitah year? The im not of Hibuch Vahirkriv, the Hirkiv. Yak, or you have to pull it out. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Kol Rabbi Yehuda says, any arkova, obviously any of these actions that are not, that are not done within three days will not take root. I, it's three days. The amount is three days because it takes the plant three days to take root, and you don't want it to take root in three days. Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Shimon Omerim, and you don't want it to take root after that. We'll discuss when after that is shortly. Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Shimon say two weeks. 
And for Omar of Nachman, Omar Rabbi Barafua, Letivra Omer, now Rabbi Barafua Nachman comes and he explains. He says, Letivra Omer, Shloishim, according to the one who says 30, sorry, Shloishim, Vishloishim, you need 30 and 30. Why? You need the 30 days before Shemitah is what we call Tosefesh Fis. You know, like you have, you add on to Shabbos a few minutes before Shabbos. So you have to add on 30 days to the Shemitah year. That's actually. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, yeah that's the uh, Gemara. Uh, what's the pasuk? I don't remember the pasuk, but we learn that you add on to Shmita, so you add on thirty days, and you're not allowed to do anything before that. And it seems, and according to our Rashi explains, you don't want it to take root within those thirty days. So if you're according to the opinion that it takes a tree thirty days to take root, then you have to make sure to have plant, layered, or grafted this tree sixty days before Rosh Hashanah. The Divra Omer Shlosha, sorry, Shlosha Ushloshim, according to the opinion that it takes three days for it to take root, well then you need three days and thirty days. Again the thirty days of Tosefesh years and the three days so that it's taken root before. The Divra Omer Shtesha Basos, sorry Shtesha Basos Vishloshim, according to the opinion that you need two weeks, well then he would they would hold this is Rabbi Rabishim and you need two weeks and two days um Again, so that it takes root before 30 days. Interesting discussion they go into. Why, as long as you're not working your land, and let's say even within the Tosefesh Vies, as long as you're not working your land within Tosefesh Vies, why do you have to wait so long before? Again, so, so you're not allowed to work your land in the Shemitah year, and because of Tosefesh Vies, you've got to add on to the Shemitah year, you're not allowed to work your land 30 days before. But why do you have to make sure that the tree's taken root before that? Come just before the 30 days, put it together, um, and plant the tree. And okay, two days later it takes root, or two weeks later it takes root, but you're not doing anything. So why? Uh, that's, a, that, that's a question on this uh, chat, but we'll carry, let's leave it there and carry on. Um, so, so that's Rav, those are two halachas where Rav says that the halachas like. Rabbi Yossi, again, in regards to Androgonos and in regards to grafting. What did they? So they were the ones that said two weeks. So you need, according to how we've understood the Gemara, you need two weeks and 30 days. You, the, the latest you can plant a tree, Erev Shemitah, is two weeks and 30 days before. Okay, now Shmuel Omer, because you have a Kiddush. We said that Shmuel said that is like Rabbi Yossi in regards to Koshi and Kiddush. What's Koshi? Koshi is labor. So the Gemara is going to explain the case now, but I'll just give some background information um, to make it a bit easier. Firstly, we know that when a woman uh, sees dam in the normal time, that's dam nida, and that's then she's a nida for seven days. If she sees blood after those seven days, zava. within the next eleven days, she's a zava. Like if she sees blood once or twice, then she just has to keep one clean day. If she sees blood uh, for three days in a row, she's a Zava Gadola. She has to count seven clean days. And this is all Doraisa. I'm not going into how we do our count nowadays with all the Midrabonans, um, etc. Um, but that's the law of Anira and Zava. So in those 11 days. Now, um, we also know that if a woman gives birth, Okay, it depends whether it's a male or a female, but she's Tomei 4, and she often and bleeds when she gives birth. She's Tomei 4, 7 days if it's a male, and 14 days if it's a female. And then she's Tohar, again, if it's a male, she's Tohar from day, well, 8, even if she sees blood from day 8 to 40. And if it's a female from day 15 to day 80, so for the next... Uh, 
today, today 80. Um, yeah, so for the next 33 or 66 days, she would be tahar even if she sees blood. That's what we call dam tahar. Now, there's an exception to the above rule. If she gives birth as a zava, I, while she's a zava, she gives birth, then until she sees seven clean days, the dam is tome. So again, so normally, let's say she gives birth to a boy from day, and she sees blood on day 10 from the birth, even though she's seeing blood, she'd be tahar. But since when she gave birth, she was already a zava, and she hadn't, hasn't yet seen seven clean days, she would, it would just be, it would be dam of a zava. So that's the halacha. Now the question is, how long can we assume a labor takes place? Let's say she starts having labor pains and only gives birth a few days later. At what point do we say, oh, sorry, I should have mentioned, the blood that comes with the, yes. with the birth, with the labor, and the labor pains doesn't count as dam zava. Remember, to be a zava, she has to see it three days in a row. So it would have to be three days in a row she sees blood. She becomes a zava gadola, And then she goes into labor. But what happens if the labor takes many, many days? How long can you connect her bleeding to, her, to the birth? Right, let's say she started bleeding, we're going to see. Uh, 20 days before she gives birth. Is that bleeding 20 days ago part of the birth? Or is it separate? So that's the, that's the question. Again, and the, and the reason we need to determine is, is she a, a Zava or not? So the Gomorrah comes along and says, Kushi Ditznan, Kamayahe Kishua, how long can we say her labor is? Rabbi Meir Omer, or Arwe Moichamishim Yom, it can actually even be 40 or 50 days. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Dayo Chadosha, from the month. I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Rabbi Yehuda, so Rabbi Yehuda says, No, from the month. Very interesting, he says, Rashi explains, Rabbi Yehuda holds is actually the, it, when, the, when the new month, I Rosh Chodesh, in her ninth month, that is what we say, the, the Shofar blast declaring Rosh Chodesh is what can trigger the labor. So, um, so if, let's say, she, so Rashi points out, if she gives birth within two days, if, if she gives birth within two days of Rosh Chodesh, that's as long as you can attribute to her labor. Any bleeding from before Rosh Chodesh, you would say, is from, is Damzava. And if she gives birth towards the end of the month, well then you could say her, her labor went up to 29, 30 days, just all goes from, you go from Rosh Chodesh, Dayo Chodosha. Rabbi Yosi Rabbi Shimon, this is the important opinion for us, Oymrim, and Kishu Yosei Mishtei Shabbosos. No, you don't get labor that is longer than two weeks. So again, so if she bleeds and struggles and has pains for two weeks and then gives birth, you attribute all that as Dam Leida. If, however, it was earlier than that, then it would not be. So Kiddush, and then we said, what's Kiddush? Now, Kiddush generally means sanctified or designated here. Kiddush is used in the context of Kilayim, which the Apostle says, Pentikodesh, lest it becomes, I don't know, apostle, uh, unfit. So that's the Kiddush here, unfit. So what's the Saloch of, of to do with Kilayim? So Tatlan, as we learned in the Mishnah, if someone leans his van over his friend's grain, Harei Kodesh v'chayev v'achruyuso. He's 
it becomes unfit, it becomes clay kerem, the grain, and he's obligated to replace it. Divrei Rebbe Meir, that's Rebbe Meir's opinion. Rebbe Yosi for Rebbe Shimon. I mean, Rebbe Yosi, Rebbe Shimon say, you're not allowed to forbid something that is not yours. So that would be, so again, you took this vine, you leaned it, Masachek, you made it schach, you leaned it over your friend's produce, or contrary to Rebbe and Rebbe Shimon, you can't make his grain forbidden, and therefore it doesn't make it also. Now, before we go any further, Tosfos asks a fascinating question here. What, you're telling me, I walk into your kitchen, and I see you've got this delicious roast cooking on, uh, <laughs> cooking on your stove, and I pour milk over it. I can't make something that is yours also? Or I come and I take some non-kosher ingredients and add them to your food. I can't make you something that is yours. Also, she says, what's the distinction? That doesn't make any sense. So let's just see that Tosus inside quickly. It says, Why would this be any different to where, you, again, what did you do here? You put this vine over your friend's field so that his, his wheat turns into wheat that grew by a vine, which becomes gilayim. She says, why is, if you come and put non-kosher or milk in your friend's meat pot, that it becomes also? Why is it any different here? What, just because... It's not yours. You can't make it awesome. So for Omar, re, the re explains. No, it's, this is by something that is, depends on thought. Similarly, we say, for example, someone who bows down to their friend's animals. Okay, when you bow down to your friend's animal, you're not doing any action on the friend's animal. It's your intent that it's an idol. But your intent can't affect his property. And he says, and I'm just going to skip a little, a few lines, but he says, Isru kilayim, namu tolu kilayim is also dependent on thought. Amazing, amazing. You would have thought that pure, kilayim is purely technical, has it grown together a certain amount, but Tosus proves that no, it's actually thought. Why? He says, if you see a vegetable, you, you're busy weeding your, your, your vineyard and you see a vegetable growing there or something like that, and you say, oh, when I get there, I'm going to uproot it. Then even if in the interim it grows the amount that would make kilayim, since your intent was to uproot it, it doesn't count as kilayim. Um, another example is you see your, 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 yours and your friends or your, your, your vineyard and a wheat field growing right next to each other. You say, oh, I'm going to fix it. And the fence is broken so that they would be considered mi- uh, mingling and kilayim. And you say, you know what? I'm going to, when I, I better go fix the fence. And then you employ a, you employ a government, con- it's, it's in uh, municipal property, so you employ a government contractor and it takes six months. It takes quite a while. No, whatever happens, it takes your time to get there and to build the fence. Even though, since your intent was to stop it, to build the fence, it is, it doesn't count as kilayim. So amazingly, we see that kilayim is actually also dependent on intent. If you don't want to, if you want to stop the kilayim, and your plan is to stop the kilayim, it doesn't count. So, so to here, when you put this vin, van over your friend's field, over your friend's grain, it's based on your intent to consider it kilayim that you want it there, and oyster his roots, since it's on intent, it would not be. But einachinami, something that's more, what would you call it, uh, tangible, um, something that's... Uh, depends on an action, on substance, like adding meat to a milk dish or the other way around, then it would be asur. Yeah, so, so, so that's, a, that's an important distinction to be aware. Something that becomes forbidden through thought and something that becomes forbidden through action. 
Then they said, Androgos, what would Now remember, we said, Rav says the halachas like Rabbi Yossi regarding Androgonos and grafting, and Shmuel said the halachas like Rabbi Yossi regarding labor and, what is the other one? Um, labor and this Kiddush. So we're going to ask, what do they each hold in regards to the other two? So he says, Androgos, what will Shmuel say regarding Androgonos? It says, Toshma, Dama Shmuel, Rav Anan, well, so Rav Shmuel said, Travanan, you ignore the Brisa before the Mishnah. So he actually also passes like Rabbi Yossi of the Mishnah. Harchava Mali Omar Shmuel, regarding Harchava, what does Shmuel, what does Shmuel hold? It says, Toshma, come in here. Shmuel Shmuel said to Ravanan, Tani command Omar Shloisha Vishloishim. He said, learn like the ones who says three days and thirty days. Aye, so not like Rabbi Yossi. Remember, Rabbi Yossi said it was two weeks. And 30 days, and he's saying three days and three days. Kushi Mali Rav, regarding labor, what would Rav hold? We know Shmuel Paskins like Rabbi Yossi that we say a labor can extend for as long as two, two weeks. What does Rav hold? Take him. Actually, don't know. Don't, we're not sure what Rav holds. Kiddush Mali Rav, regarding this Kilayim, what does Rav hold? Again, we had a Machloikes. Um, the, the, uh, the first opinion, the Tanakama, Rebbe Meir held you do make your friend's thing author and you have to replace it. And, Shmu, and uh, Rebbe Yossi, the Rebbe Shimon held that you cannot forbid your friend's uh, product, uh, items. So Kiddush, so Mali Omarav, so Omarav Yosef, Toshma, come here, to Omarav Huna, Omarav Rav Huna says in the name of Rav, Ein Halacha Rebbe Yossi, the Halacha is not like Rebbe Yossi. What are you doing? Why do you see to rely on that teaching? Why don't you, uh, why don't you rely on the following one? Why? Rav says in the name of Rav, Halacha Kribiyosi. Oh, so very interesting. We have this Rav Huna Omar Rav says the Halacha is not like Kribiyosi, and we have Rav. Ada Omarav, that the halacha is like Rabbi Yossi. So Omri Beirav, so Manu, no, because who is Beirav? Remember, I started, at the, we're right at the beginning of Shir, we mentioned Beirav. Who's that referring to whenever we see this term in the Gemara, the yeshiva of Rav? It says Rav Huna, it's Rav Huna. Rav Huna Omar in halacha, and Rav Huna says that that is not the halacha. So I think there are two reasons why, how we answer this question. Again, we have two different opinions in what Rav held. We have Rav Huna says in the name of Rav, and we have Rav Ada. So he's saying, why should we follow Rav Huna? So he says, there's two, there's two reasons why we should follow Rav Huna. Uh, this is how I'm seeing it. One is because the whole sukkah was started by Rav, Omri Bay Rav Mishmeida Rav. Halacha Karebi Yosi Bandragonos of Archopa. The whole sukkah was what Rav, Bay Rav said in the name of Rav. So now we're trying to see at the end of the sukkah, which opinion should we follow? Well, we're clearly discussing Beirav Omarav. But even without that, it seems we should probably follow, whenever you're looking for a quote in the name of Rav, who's most likely to be the reliable one? Rav Huna, the one whose title is, whenever you say, you know, in the yeshiva of Rav, they said, that's Rav Huna. Seems that he had a, an exceptional authority in the teachings of Rav, and that's why we would follow his opinion. Okay. Um, you know, one other interesting question is, um, I won't go into the full discussion, I will leave it for Baba Kama, but just regarding this, let's assume you're like the opinions that 
if you put your, the Kelaim branch over your friend's field, you're liable to replace the grain because it becomes the grain becomes also as Kelaim. Why? You didn't actively damage. This is what we would call indirect damage. And it's a major, major discussion. The Tanoim and the Amoraim and trying to work out what they hold. Are you liable? Are you liable for someone else's damage? It would seem from this that Rebbe Meir would hold that you are liable for indirect damage, or at least they 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 they, they, some, they distinguish between types of levels of indirectness. But it would at least to a degree, Rebbe Meir holds there is some aspect of indirect damage that a person is liable for. Um, pardon. But I'm saying he says Chayv uh, so you're liable to replace it. Isn't that what it means? So what? Yeah. But if you you damage something and somebody else damages, you have to pay extra. Yeah, most uh, most of the rules are you pay for the damage you caused. I just eat truma and kajim and. Kajim, it's a penalty, master, you know, like not, uh, not standard damages. Um, okay, let's go on to the next one. So Rav, Rav Yehuda Amar Tumtum, Rav Yehuda said regarding a Tumtum, remember he said that there again, he said that if you cut away the membrane that's disguising what this Tumtum is, even if he's a male, he doesn't do Chalitza, uh, his brother Dadlach doesn't do Chalitza, because he's a Soris. So Rabbi Yehuda holds that a tumtum is a sorry. So Amr Rabbi Yami Mai Avile Rabbi Yehuda le tumtum the biri doisu abe karsei vaikrei. What would Rav Yehuda respond regarding this tumtum in biri who went into theatre? They cut away this membrane, and vaolid shiva bonim he went on to have seven children. So, so what you're telling me he's a sorry? He had seven children. Says so Rabbi Yehuda Amr le chazar abonov meinheim. Says no, go check where his children come from. I know Rabbi Rabbi Yehuda would hold that his children are mamzerim. There's no chance that he had them. His wife must have. His wife told him that they're his children, but that's not the truth. Tanya, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda. Now this is Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda. I, Rabbi Yehuda's son, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda. I'm a tum tum loyachlot sheme yikravenimsa srischama. You should a, a, a tum tum should not do chalitza because you might tear open the membrane and it will turn out that he's actually a srischama. Remember, srischama is someone from who's a sorry from birth and part two a. Um, and doesn't do chalitza. He says, "I to call the mikras He Says, "We don't understand what he's saying. That he might be a male. What? Everyone you, whose membrane you tear turns out to be a male. If you tear the membrane of a tumtum, you find out that either they're a male or they're a female. So what he means, you might turn out that he's a he's a he's a srischama. So he says, "No, you're a Yehuda, Omer lay. Sorry, I skipped. Um, says." No, he says, Shema Yikravanimsanachaiva. You might tear the membrane or cut the membrane and turn and see that he's a female. And even if you find that he's a male, Shema Yimsa he might be a Shrizchama. I see he's saying even if you have this tumtum that you've that looks like a, that you've torn away the mem, the membrane and he has male organs, he still might be a Shrizchama. So so but basically what he's saying it's a sophic. So we have Rabbi Yehuda, the father, holds that a, that a tumtum is definitely a srischama. And we have his son, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that he's a sophic. So the Gemara asks, my Paneo, what's the difference? So Omar Rabbi gives two answers. He says, to invalidate her, 
in the place for the other brothers. I, if he does chalitza to his brother's wife, according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's nothing because he's a Sris Chama. So one of the other brothers could come and enter Yivum. But according to Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, well, it's a Sophic. His chalitza might be good. So firstly, none of the other brothers can do Yibum, because remember, once one brother's done chalitza to a woman, no one's allowed to do, none of the brothers are allowed to do that. And also, one of the other brothers would also have to do chalitza, because it might not be a good Yibum. Um, that's the first difference we give. And then a second difference... Um, is it? Why not do, um, to do chalitza where there are no other brothers? If someone dies without children, if they don't have any brothers, she goes free. But if the only brother is a tumtum, even a tumtum with male organs, so according to Rebbe Yehuda, still don't bother. He's a soris. According to Rebbe Yosef, Rebbe Yehuda, that's a sulfate, so he must still do chalitza. And this, Ikebeneo, those would be two nafkaminas between Rebbe Yehuda and his son, Rebbe Yosef, Rebbe Yehuda. Again, Rebbe Yehuda holds that a tumtum is a varai soris. And Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda holds is a Sophic, sorry. Okay, Omar Shmuba Yehuda. Omar Rav Achva. Omar Rabbi Abba Achva, the Rabbi Yehuda Bar Zavdi. Omar Rav Yehuda, Omar Rav. This is, yeah. Androgonos chayavim olav skile mishtay makomas. If a man has relations with an androgonos, he would be liable to skila from both um, places. I from what would be his anus and also what would be his female uh, organ, uh, I don't know what in androgynous, but uh, whether he has anal or vaginal intercourse with this tumtum, with this androgynous, he would be high of skilla. We're viewing, even though the androgynous has this female organ, we're viewing her, we're viewing the androgynous as a male. So whichever way another male is, has relations with him, he would be <coughs> Um, he would be chav skiller stoning. We challenge this because Rabbi Eliezer says that Androgonos is liable to skiller like a male. This is only if he does it with the with the, with the males, with where um, where if he was a male it would be either anus, but not with the female part. Then he would be potter from death. So there's no huda omer ki hai tana. He holds like the following tana. The tanya rabbi simai omer rabbi simai says, androgonos chayovim olav skila mishtei makomas. And androgonos is liable to skila from two places. Oh, so we have a machlokes tanoim. Um, we're going to go into the sources now, but again, we have this machlokes tanoim. Again, if you view the androgonos as a, as a, how do you view the female organ, the female side of the androgonos, according to Rabbi Eliezer, he wouldn't be chavskila. It's not like he um, was with a male. And according to Rebbe Simai, no, both are like a male. Says my time is Rebbe Simai. What's the source for Rebbe Simai? So Omarova, Barhamaduri, Esperili. Um, Rava said that Barhamduri explained it to me. He says, isha. With a male you shall not lie. The like one lies in plural with a woman. Which male has two mishkavos? I says, don't lie with a male in either of two ways. Ah, that must be an androgynos. Of Rabbonin, but now we have difficulty according to Rabbonin. Where do they see that? It says, no, Afalgav de Isbei, Shnei Mishkavos, Ed Zachor Even though there are 
to Mishkavos, it says Et Zohar. Verabonon and the rabbis. It says Zohar Greda. Oh, sorry, Verabonon Zohar Greda Minale. Where do the rabbis know that one's liable? For just be, with being with an actual male. I, how the rabbis read this posuk, the whole posuk is referring to an androgonos. You're not allowed to be with the male part, you, a man who's, who, who has beer with the male part of, a, of, a, of, of an androgonos. That's how you read. So where do we know that a male's not allowed to be with a male? So he says, Mi ve'es, from the ve'es. And how does he know that it counts as beer for all other halachas if it's with another woman? So, mi isha, from the extra isha. So, there's extra words. You can learn out both roshas. Okay. It's not regarding all halachas that an androgynous is considered a male. Then, Regarding Kodshim, it should become Kodosh. I, as we said, regarding marriage, we view the Zoch, the Androgonos, as a Zohar regarding marriage. But according to, but regarding Kodshim, it's not the same. An animal, what happens if someone sanctifies an animal that's an Androgonos? How do we know that an Androgonos does not become Kodosh? Says the Tan Rabbon, and as we learned in a Brisa, now this is regarding Malika. So Malika is going to be our litmus test because remember, Malika is on a bird, and if it's a good korban, then it's a kosher. Then the bird is kosher; the kohanim can eat it. If it's not a good korban, then the Malika makes the bird a nevela. Says you mean not Shaharu? I know that an androgynous does not become kodesh. The Tan Rabbon, as we learned in a Brisa, Hanirva Vamukta, a bird. That uh, was with a person. If it was set aside for a korban for or if it was served as an adult by etnan or a, a wage or a or used in trading for a dog or a tumtum or an androgonos, would make his clothes tomei If it's considered that's what that's an avela, a bird that is an avela that one swallows makes him tomei. So that's say, basically saying it's an avela. Rabbi Yelazar Omer tumtum androgonos ain metamim begodim abeisabliya. Shehoyer Rabbi Yelazar Omer kol makom shenemar zochov and a keva atomoiti tumtum androgonos mi benayim. Vaof hol voloinem abozoch and a keva iatomoiti tumtum androgonos mi benayim. Rabbi Yelazar says I agree with what you've said in principle except regarding birds because he says only where it says male or a female do we exclude a Androgon. Do we exclude a tumtum and androgonos? By a bird sacrifice, it doesn't exclude it to a male or it doesn't say male or female, so it could actually be a tumtum bird. So, 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 that's, uh, so that's one support that regarding kodshim, it doesn't become kodosh. Um, an animal that's a tumtum or androgonos would not become kodosh. Amar says we also learned in a bright Rebeleza says hakilayim androgonos He says all these a kilayim a crossbred animal a trefa that's an animal with one of those specific injuries or a uh, Born or a yoyte born through a cesarean section tumtum androgonos lo kodshim Do not become kodosh. And they don't, 
become, and they can't make something else Kaddosh. Rashi explains just very quickly, he says, these stricter are much stricter than most of the other psulim. Most psulim, the animal can become Kaddosh, Kaddushas HaGuf, that you can't redeem it unless it gets an injury. These items can't even become Kaddosh. Um, so he says, Not only can they not become Kodosh through Tmura, they can't even make something Kodosh through Tmura. You know, maybe let's leave it here and we'll explain, we'll finish off the parak tomorrow. I know, but.